When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Yeah, you know how it is. You know, just got uh, got a little tangled up in practice, but uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, it's playoffs, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to be out there on Saturday with my teammates and uh, trying to help the team win. Okay, it is Purple Daily time. Matthew Collar here, Jonathan Harrison producing as always, and Alex Boone for two hours. A mystery guest coming up in a half an hour. We've got hot routes, and then uh, we've got uh, injuries as well. So we have to talk about something um, that was unexpected and shocking and now is a massive factor in the Vikings-San Francisco 49ers divisional playoff game. Adam Thielen getting cut in practice to the point where he had to have stitches and could not practice today. And from what I saw of him walking, it was not a usual bouncy walk that uh, Adam Thielen would have. So, was it a limp? Uh, I would not go full limp. I okay. would go just walking... Cautiously. Cautiously, yeah. Let's go with that. Um, this one, Alex, goes right in the all-time classic Viking lore if yep. they don't win this game. How does a guy who practices all year long cut his ankle? Dude, I, cuts are so rare in the NFL, like, especially a cut in such a weird place because you got to think nothing you're wearing is really that sharp. So if, it, if you got hit, man, you got hit real hard somewhere, or someone stepped on you real bad with a cleat, and that hurts the worst because if you can get the bone, oh, my God, dude, there's nothing yeah. worse than a cleat on bone. Yeah, I think it was him being cleated was dude, the issue the here. How the physical worst. are these practices in the playoffs? I mean, so that, They're not. I was going to say, that, that's why I was really surprised to see that anyone got hurt in, in practice, especially on a short week. I would not expect them to be like going full pads and training camp style here at this point in the season, and yet this freak injury from Adam Thielen gets him hurt. I mean, somebody probably got cut today. We should go look at the waiver wire and see who it was. It's probably a cornerback that got cut today. This is just classic, like Vikings. Like, dude, we're about to we're about to go shock the world again. All of a sudden, Adam feels like, ah, oh, guys, I got a real bad cut down here. I don't know how it happened, but it just happened. Like, that is the worst thing that could have happened going forward. Like, Diggs being sick was like, man. You can push through the flu. I've seen guys do it. You're going to have to do it. But when you talk about an injury that involves stitches and blood and things that could like reopen and 
Dude, that's a whole nother world. Yeah. Um, so this one, we'll see how it ends up impacting even whether he plays or not. I would expect that he does find to. a way, but you also can't be out there, Alex, just bleeding all over the place. That's, <laughs> that's what I said. Like, I don't think that's allowed. No, it's a different rule. Like when you're bleeding all over the place, then people are like, dude, that's just kind of gross. Cover that up or get the hell out of here. You can't be doing that on this field. But what does Adam Thielen mean to this offense? Look what he did last week against the Saints. If you don't have a. I'm going to say if you don't even have a healthy feeling out there, that isn't going to be enough. I mean, he needs to be 100% ready to go, ready to roll. Well, if he is not, the the one Diggs. silver lining here is that Diggs practiced today, but yep. also that they have been developing guys all year long for this very situation. Thielen was out for a number of weeks with a hamstring injury, so it's not the first time they've had to play without Adam Thielen. And when he was out, Stephon Diggs stepped up to the challenge, and then you also saw a lot of other players step up as well, including Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith, who, by the way, had, when I looked back on tape, I thought Irv Smith had the best low-key, like we, nobody would have noticed type of game against the New Orleans Saints because he did so much blocking in that game and did a good job. Not exactly an easy team to block against, and Irv Smith was a huge part of that. But he stepped up in the receiving game when Thielen was initially down. We saw B.C. Johnson come in, and I mean they even targeted Alexander Hollins last week. So it's not like they have no players here. I mean, Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield in the receiving game is still an extremely effective weapon. So I wouldn't say immediately that it means you're done if Thielen can't be effective. It's just that teams in the playoffs with extra time to focus, extra time to prepare are tough enough, and then to have to try and do it with your wanting your top guys slow down will be, I think, extremely difficult if he isn't close to 100%, Alex. Right, and I'm not saying that they are done if he's not playing. That's not what I'm saying, because there's so many more variables that go into this game than Thielen. But when you're playing the possibly one of two of the best pass defenses in the NFL, you want one of the best receivers in the NFL healthy. Because when you don't have them, that just allows them to go cover up more people with players that they... I mean, you're talking about a guy that they would probably have to double the whole game. If he's not playing, that just shores up two guys. Like That just makes their defense that more lethal. Then all of a sudden it's like, hey, maybe we can blitz in certain situations where before we didn't think we could. Maybe we can turn up the heat a little bit more because they don't have the feeling out there that we need to worry about getting behind guys. I mean, Thielen's greatest attribute is, number one, he's tough. Number two, he is a great route runner. And three, he is invisible at times. Like He just lulls people to sleep, and then all of a sudden, there he is. And you're like, my God, what, did nobody see him running down the <laughs> sideline? What is wrong? But it's because he's so great at running his routes. And yeah. Eventually, people are like, oh, I know what he's running. I know what he's running. Oh, he's running this. And then all of a sudden, he's like, no, I'm not running that. I'm running this. And you're like, dude, that was incredible. <laughs> he's so sneaky good about getting into those routes. But if you don't have him on the field, dude, that is a huge blow to this offense. So now let me put this a little bit in terms of an X's and O's question for you because I saw Matt Bowen of ESPN talking yesterday on Twitter about how the 49ers love to run a single high safety and love to run cover three and anytime the Vikings have had Thielen and Diggs and they've been able to go up against teams that have a single high safety, they usually shred those teams, teams that are really committed to it. Now maybe San Francisco knows that and they are going to give you a different look But if they're going to stick with what they do best, 
I think you, you really need them because that's like their thing is to have two receivers. You can't put a safety over right. one guy, and then you run those crossing routes that confuses the safety. He goes one way, Kirk throws the other. It's like right. the whole philosophy of the Gary Kubiak offense against this type of defense is to have these guys deep crossing and being dangerous that way. And if you could just put two guys on Stephon Diggs for the whole day, well, that's going to make it extremely, extremely difficult for the Vikings offense. And I say that because you're getting a guy like Quan Alexander back who, yeah, he's coming back. And just like I said about D4, like, dude, it's your first game back. Yeah, you're going to be excited, but there's going to be a snap count. And at times, your, your body's probably going to pull you back, right? So well, how much he can really do. But you talk about a guy like Fred Warner that could really cover guys. A guy like Dre Greenlaw, who's been showing that he can step up too. Like, dude, you can't drop. Quan Alexander from the year that he was having, and then all of a sudden the next guy really does fill up to his role. Like these, these linebackers are good at covering up tight ends. So if you can double digs, and you can possibly put your best linebacker on Rudy, dude, it, it comes down to depth really showing up. And not only that, but I loved your article about the swing routes and getting your outlets out quick. Like this, this rush is going to come at you in every different way. Like they're exactly like Zimmers. They like to be exotic. They like to move guys around. At times, Eric Armstead's on the right. At times, he's on the left. At times, he's in the middle. At times, he's on the outside. Like these guys are going to be everywhere. You have to know who your outlet is. Who's your quick answer at all times? Like who is going to be the one guy that when you feel it, if you even sense it, just get the ball out? Because if it's Dalvin, number one, you're going to get positive yards, and number two, you're just going to have him wearing on the defense in other ways, and they're going to have to continuously. Can watch where is Dalvin? Where is he? He's leaking out on this route. You're going to see half the defense going that way because they know if for some reason Cook catches this ball and he gets a five yard head start, it's going to take me and probably two other guys to bring him down in this mm-hmm. playoff game. Yeah, yeah, that's right, and, and that ends up becoming so a huge true. factor. And that's yeah. and that's what they did really well when he was out is that they hit everybody else on short routes and got yards after catch, especially with Irv Smith, especially with Dalvin Cook and, and Alexander Madison fitting in, and whenever they need a BC Johnson, and then just let that all set up the deep shots to Stephon Diggs. This team has had success when they can hit on those. And if they don't, that's when they usually come up short. That's when they usually lose. So you look at the Green Bay Packers, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, the deep shots didn't land, and then their offense mostly couldn't drive slowly and methodically down the field, and they didn't do that particularly well against the New Orleans Saints either. There were a couple drives that were helped out by there was the Anthony Harris interception that put them in really good position, but if you're talking about starting at the 25, going all the way down the field against such a talented defense, that's going to be that's going to be pretty tough if they are taking those deep shots away. And that that's where I keep coming back to Thielen has to be at least, you know, 75-80%. He's got to be able to get out there and be close or I'm just having a really tough time with this offense succeeding against San Francisco at the same level that they did well, uh, you know, Adam Thielen was out before because they played teams like, you know, Detroit was he in for the Giants game? I think he was. But Philadelphia, teams that just didn't do a very good job of defending the pass, and now you're going up against a totally different animal here. Agreed. And I think that one of the other things that goes into this is you've got to be patient. You can't get mm-hmm. frustrated. Like I know everybody's talking about Diggs and his passion, and I agree with that. That is just his passion. It's the way he is. Like He's extremely into the game. Like I have to just... You know, he's one of those guys that's like, put it on my shoulders, guys. Put it on my shoulders. You're like, Diggs, calm down. It's okay. We're going to get this done as a team. Don't you put it on my... You're like, all right. (laughs) Put it on his shoulders, guys. Whatever he says, we're doing it. But 
If you don't have a Thielen, you really need to be patient. You really need to just let Dalvin scare this defense into making a mistake because that's what good defenses do. They rarely make these mistakes, but when they do, an offense capitalizes on it. At times, you might have the right play called. you got to check into it. The offensive line on times when you're like, ah, oh, this is just a silly run play. It's not silly. Everything has a meaning to it. There's a reason you're doing it in the playoff game. This isn't one of these games where you go out there and go, hey, listen, let's just throw out a couple fluff plays to keep them honest. Like, no, this is like, hey, these are the plays we're running because this is the best chance to win. We have to maximize exactly how we're going to go down the field. We have to be efficient in everything we do. If you don't have Thielen, be patient. Let the game run its course. Let Dalvin run his course. Let Kirk get back there, three-step, throw the ball, get it out quick. Let them loosen up. You have to get going. I think sometimes when you talk about teams that can't handle a playoff run, it's because they're not patient. You know, I'm, I'm, you hear all these people on the NFL Network, and they're constantly like, keep the game close. Okay, that was stupid. Like, if anything, <laughs> we want to be winning the whole game. Why the hell would I want to keep it close? That's stupid. What you want to do is be prepared to get punched in the mouth mm-hmm. and be prepared to punch back. And don't be afraid to punch back. There are times when a number one team will punch an inferior team. The inferior team goes, well, we had a good run. Let's oh, yeah. just yeah. back it up. Dude, punch them back. There are no rules anymore. There's nobody stopping you anymore. The train has left the station. You can punch them back as hard as you want, and you are the most well-equipped team to punch them back because of your run game, because your defense is so stout, because you can be exactly like them. You practice against this every day. How many times on Thursday did you do a two-minute drill against Jimmy Garoppolo's offense? You just didn't realize it. You were doing it every week. You were so prepared for this. Stick to the game plan and be patient. So can I circle back to what you said about Diggs? You mean that they shouldn't trade him because he threw a helmet on the sideline? Is that what you're saying? No, I wouldn't trade him. I, I would just be like, no, I, you I'm kidding. You should have you seen. Know me. You should have seen Twitter. It's just like, uh, come of on, course guys. They, are. Come they don't on. get it. It's like the guys is like, how can you cry after a game, dude? Seriously, <laughs> cried after a lot of games. Like, I cannot believe we lost that game. That was just bad. But when you talk about a fire in a guy, if you can bottle that up and control it and learn to unleash that on the sideline on the opposing team dude now that could be dangerous well and i think that Diggs has always burned really hot during games and oh, yeah. you know sometimes you have to take him out and give him a playoff or something but he backs it up and oh, yeah, i don't for sure. i don't look at it like guys on the sideline are so distracted or everybody's like they know that guys are freaking out sometimes and then they get back out there and play the saints side of the field was doing the same thing there were people yelling at each other it's a very tense game and i don't understand where that comes from that you know one guy is upset and throws a helmet on the sideline and all of a sudden it's oh he's being a baby he's having a tantrum tantrum like well well, i mean i I understand some criticism but but I mean, with Diggs, way too good of a player to be super concerned about that. I certainly wouldn't be like, let's trade him. If anything, I'd be like, he just needs to be calmed down quicker and better and by somebody that really loves him. Because yeah. when you get a guy like that, there's, dude, their team is filled with him. It's just some guys are afraid to blow up on the sidelines because they're like, I know what this could possibly do with my team. And other guys are just like, dude, I can't control it anymore. I'm getting really upset. Dude, mm-hmm. we're all upset. And I think that's the thing is they don't realize. Like They look around and they see everybody so calm because I kind of used to be the same way. And everybody's just like, dude, we're just processing it differently. Like We're just trying to understand what's going on. You're like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like, stop. <laughs> calm down. You're like, we have no time. We have to go. Like, Burn the ships. You're just constantly like, it's a war. I get it. You just need people around you that are like, dude, shut up and calm down. Got it. It's great. Oh. 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 
Football. <laughs> what a weekend for football. <laughs> I know. Can you believe this game? I mean, yes, just I can. I'm so I've, excited. Ever, I've been doing a bunch of these things. You know, other radio stations want to talk about the game, so they oh, call yeah. whatever ESPN you know person and. Uh, that's been me for a lot of radio stations this week, and everybody is like, who do you think is going to win this? And it's just so hard to figure out because when yeah. you go from position to position to position, it looks very, very similar. I wonder what you think, though, about this week for this team. And I'm not saying that um, the Kyle Rudolph glove incident is a distraction. I'm sure they'll get over it. But the uh, the battle that they have gone through last week and trying to recover from that, and then the feel and injury, and there were 12 guys listed on the injury report yesterday, and what it takes out of you to win an emotional last-second playoff game, a lot of times the next week you go on the road again, and it doesn't work out super well for you because of the week draining you. And then, you know, even looking around, you mentioned this at one point. I, I forget when we were talking about it, but looking around this week and you just have the entire locker room full of people that they don't recognize necessarily sure. and just way more questions and way more media and the build up to it. I, I think it can be draining for these guys as they have to go to San Francisco. Agreed. And that's the one thing I think is the hardest is seeing the new faces is constantly has, having to answer new questions from people that you're like, dude, you didn't even care about us six weeks ago. Do you really care now? Or are you just trying to write a story? Like, have you not watched any of our games? Because they ask you the dumbest questions like, you know, what do you think about your run game? What? <laughs> what do I think about my what do you think about it? Like, what a stupid question that was. Like, I have to sit here and answer these right now. You just get annoyed. And then all of a sudden, people are mounting up the pressure around you. Like, they keep letting you know, you know, it's a big game. It's a big game. Like, I always felt like that was the worst. I didn't want to hear it was a big game. I just wanted everything to be normal. I know that there's a lot of guys on this injury report, but don't forget there's other guys on their team coming back from injury too who are very critical, like Ben Person. That's one guy that nobody's talking about. They're starting guards out. And they got like an undrafted guard. And I'm sitting over here looking at Daniil Hunter like, dude, this is about to be a feast for Daniil if they can slide to him the whole game. But then you slide to him the whole game. What about Ev on the other side? Like I know Staley's extremely Staley. He's an all-pro, pro bowler. He's consistent. But what about Lincoln Tomlinson on the inside? That guy's not a pro bowler by any means of the stretch. Like You talk about what the ingenious of Zimmer has done last week, and you talk about taking steps this week. What if you put like Daniil and Ev on the same side, and we're like, hey, dude, go have some fun. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's just so many weaknesses when you look at this team that you're just nobody understands yet. So the way that I've been thinking about Zimmer's creative wrinkle, which we know is coming, it has to be, that there's going to be something new that we've never seen before and it's actually one of my favorite parts of covering games is when you start to realize oh they're doing this now like what what wait what's going on here right. there's daniel hunter over a guard i've never seen that in the entire time that i've been covering the team and then all of a sudden he's doing it and getting after the the passer i think with this one though alex it's got to be blitzing jimmy garoppolo his numbers against the blitz are not that great and mike zimmer has cited those things before that he is well aware of how guys perform against the blitz or when they're pressured and things like that and garoppolo does have a tendency to turn the ball over when he gets blitzed he also can create some big plays out of that and can even scramble at times but when they picked off uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in week one 2018 it was on I think a zone blitz and he just flung it out there and Mike Hughes easily picks it off and walks it into the end zone I mean that's got to be in the mind of Zimmer this week and when he starts to dial them up, especially on third downs, there's a lot of creativity there. I remember last year against Miami, and I know it was a bad Miami team, but they were still in the playoff hunt. And every third down was some new creative 
wrinkle on the blitzing game, a lot of zone blitzes and things, and Ryan Tannehill was just baffled and got sacked, I don't know, 16 times or something. And I'm not saying that Garoppolo uh, is going to fall apart if you blitz him, but it's pretty clear that that's one of his weaknesses. And I wonder what you think would be a creative sort of wrinkle that Zimmer could use to the blitzing game. I already beat you to it. You ready? When we used to do this, you only used to see this against like the super superior teams because they were the only ones smart enough to pull this off. You used to have a nickel defense, right? They'd come out. They'd look very vanilla. Like They just would be your nickel. Four down, two linebackers, a nickel. And then at the last second, your ends would pick their hands up, and they'd walk inside the tackles. And instantly it was kind of like a, wait a minute. <laughs> What just happened? Who's going where, right? Because mm-hmm. then the center's like, wait a minute, I got two defensive ends, one to my left, one to my right. I'm sliding right, but this guy's here, and technically in a five-step, we're not allowed to bring our guard and tackle down because that defeats the purpose of having a running back in the backfield. So how do we do this? Like These are things that haven't shown up yet on film. So you can throw these things out there, and you say, hey, listen, we're going to put Daniil and Ev in the A-gaps. We're going to put whoever we're bringing in on our sub packages and the B gaps, the other defensive ends, right? There's Weatherly. There's a bunch of them. Adenabo, yeah. Adenabo, Weatherly. So far this year. We're, we're going to put you guys at three techniques, and then what you do is you wrap your linebackers outside, right? So it looks like six guys up, but technically you're only bringing the inside guys. Number one, I've always said inside pressure destroys a quarterback because mm-hmm. there's nowhere to go. They're stepping on your toes before you catch the ball. That's always hard. Number two, Ben Garland's a backup. Number three, their right guard's probably going to be Brun School because even if it is Mike Person, he hurt his neck, and this is a very tough team to play against. And coming off a neck injury, I wouldn't be like, you know what? Let's go play the Vikings. I got this, guys. No worries. <laughs> right. I mean, dude, you want to just talk- go battle Linval Joseph? Right. You're good. No, no big deal, guys. No I got issues. this. This this type of defense when it would show up because if you're not prepared for it, the backside is instantly like, what do we do? What do we do? Because if you don't squeeze, and a lot of times. Teams used to play us off of it. So if you squeeze down, the linebacker to the outside would rush. So then not only did your running back try to step inside because he thought he was blocking the linebacker in, or the defensive end inside, but then he has to step back outside so he's late to that block. If you don't step down and you let a defensive end run through the A-gaps, number one, you're an idiot. Number two, your running back, I don't care who he is, is going to get trounced. And so is your quarterback. Like, dude, this... I was already thinking about it. As soon as he kicked him in last week, I go, I guarantee the next step is to move him in one more spot because it's all backups in there. So would I be right to think that this would be the game that you brought Anthony Barr back for? Because he is the oh, guy yeah. with rush, such, rush. Right, yep. such a unique skill set and so much success, such a high rate of success when he does blitz, and everyone always wants him to blitz more, um, which it was about the same rate this year as it's always been uh, by the numbers. But when he does, he just has a very, very high rate of success, which I think is often the combination between Zimmer schemes him something good, and then his quickness, his size, his length. If he's blitzing at six foot five uh, with that arm he's length, he's like a DN. Yeah, I, it's I, incredible. He's I, just light. That's his problem. He's a little too light for most guys. Right. So he couldn't play DN on a regular basis. But if he's no. coming up the middle at you, I feel oh, like that different. is incredibly difficult for a quarterback. Agreed. And not only that, but I'm not even talking about him. Imagine him coming off the edge with a running back checking the egg up and then coming out to him like, dude, you have set this up. And don't, you can't tell me that we're not in the pros where we're like, when the center points left, we all don't know he's going left. Like, that used to be my biggest pet peeve when the center would make such a big statement about it. Like, he'd be pointing to like three guys on the right, like, dude, we're all going this way. 
You'd be like, dude, the whole defense is now going to twist us on the left. And not only that, you're probably going to get picked because you're an idiot and telling everybody where you're going. Like, if you walk up two defensive ends in the A-gap and the center points to the right, if I'm the, if I'm the guy over the left A-gap, I am picking that center's hip and letting that other guy come around every single time. Like, dude, we're just going to play you as much as you're going to play us. Like, we are really good, too. We can put two guys in the A-gaps that will shut down your entire pass game. It'd be incredible. You excited for this or what? I Are you serious, really Slugfest? Oh my! To figure it out God. here. I'm telling you, dude. I just want to come back for one game. Just one. <laughs> I want to be. On, I want to be on like kickoff. I want to be on like field goal team. I used to love field goal for prefer. Oh man, it's great. You were out there for field goals. I loved. It. I never missed a field goal ever. I was couldn't catch me on the sidelines. Not getting smacked <laughs> in the face. You kidding me? Loved it. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's, you, uh... Speaking of which, you know who I hit up today to get come on our show? Who's that? Bill Dawson. I, dude, we got to bring Phil on sometime. I would love to have Phil Dawson. Journeyman kickers, we don't talk about enough. We talk is about. Is he a journeyman kicker oh, though, or is he yeah, like the kicker? Yeah, him? yeah, yeah. I think he's a journeyman kicker because he traveled around after Cleveland, or was it just two teams? It was just three teams. He played for us in San Fran too, and then he played with me in Arizona. Okay, that's pre- that's pretty legendary. Legendary kickers, we'll call them then instead. Yeah, he was a beast. yeah well. Phil Dawson could come on any time. Well, let's take a break. We do have a guest that's coming up next. Can't wait. A mystery guest that I'm very excited about. So let's take a break to make sure we come back on time and uh, are good for our mystery guest when we return. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. John from here with the Score North Download. Purple Daily going on right now. We've got a special guest coming up in about two minutes time, but at five o'clock we've got a special guest on Mackie and Judd with Rami, former Gopher and Super Bowl winning head coach and current Football Night in America analyst Tony Dungy. Dun- Tony Dungy joins Mackie and Judd with Rami today at 5 to preview Vikings and Niners this Saturday afternoon from Santa Clara. Tony Dungy today at 5 on Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North on AM 1500 and the free Score North mobile app. On Sunday, we got the new version of Kirk Cousins' catchphrase. Hey, you held him to 20 points, man. You gave us a chance at the end. But I got three words for you. You like that? A little bit squeakier than the last one. Uh, Adam Thielen was on Good Morning Football this morning and was asked whether his teammates love that you like that or whether they're just kind of in about it. And here's what Adam Thielen said about it. I absolutely love it, and I've been waiting for him to use it. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's fun when, when Kirk, you know, lets his emotion out because, uh, you know, I think as a quarterback, he, he tries to be reserved and, and and be very uh, you know even keeled uh, for the most part, uh, but he he's an emotional guy. He's a he's a competitor. Uh, he he's one of the most com- competitive people I've been around. So it's always fun when he lets a little emotion out and uh, gets us fired up. That's been your score on download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. In just a couple of minutes, we will have our mystery guest. And I can say that uh, our mystery guest was very, very good at football is my only <laughs> my only hint. Uh, but I want to read something to you, Alex, 
quick before we get this person on. Yeah. Mike Sando of The Athletic, he talks to coaches and NFL executives anonymously and then writes some of their thoughts. And so he asks some coaches what they think that Kyle Shanahan will do to exploit the Minnesota Vikings defense. And here is what an offensive coach told Mike Sando. If Xavier Rhodes plays, which he is going to, uh, Kyle Shanahan will go after him. They're going to try to put pressure on uh, to get the safeties down in the box, which is what Mike Zimmer does, and then take shots off play action. That sounds familiar, right? Oh, yeah. uh, if Zimmer's dropping everybody out, they'll throw checkdowns to the backs and kill them with the running backs. What is your thought on that general philosophy of going after Xavier Rhodes from uh, Kyle Shanahan? I think that that sounds more, you know, it sounds like the low-hanging fruit for everyone to be like, oh, well, he's going to go after, the obviously, one of the players that's struggling right now. But I think Kyle's really kind of obsessed with his own team. And he's just like, hey, listen, this is what we do good. And until somebody can stop us, I'm not worried about what they're going to do. If they can stop our run game, we'll go to plan B. If they can stop our run game, we won't be able to do play action. Or will we? Will we be able to just put back there? It's like the threat. I mean, they have so many running backs that you just never know how they're going to come out. And they they love to be diabolical when it comes to reverses. They love to get Debo Samuel the ball. They love to get Kittle the ball, however they can. I mean... They want the ball in their playmakers' hands as soon as possible. And I think it really doesn't matter to them who's covering who. At the time Jimmy hits his back foot, that ball's coming out, man. Regardless if you're ready or not, the timing is there, and I'm throwing it. Well, somebody who knows quite a bit about shutting down opposing teams' running backs is joining us now, a five-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, linebacker, former linebacker, Patrick Willis. What is up, Patrick? How are you? Uh, Doing well, doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Was it in the uh, in the locker room like this all the time with Alex Boone? I mean, my gosh, I can't uh, get him to stop talking to introduce you. <laughs> no, man. Alex was a great teammate, great teammate. Um, I love his spirit about football, and uh, you always know that each day he showed up, uh, he's going to be ready to go, uh, and you got to love it in a teammate. Dude, Patrick, that was awesome. I appreciate that. Patrick, I, I want to get nah, I, I want to get your thoughts on these Kubiak and Shanahan offenses to start because I mean nobody was better at slowing down opposing offenses than you when you were in the NFL. And this, these are two teams in the 49ers and Vikings that are looking right at each other. Everything is about deceiving the linebackers, right? So how do you handle it best if you're Eric Kendricks, if you're Fred Warner, with all the deception that goes on with these Shanahan and Kubiak offenses? Yeah, I, I will first say that, man, I, I, did, I did not do this. Uh, I did not play this game by myself, and I had some amazing teammates and, and defensive guys that I was able to play with that we was able to work together to be able to slow down some of these offenses um, at times. And I feel like this game is going to be certainly uh, be that type of atmosphere that the defensive line uh, really going to have to come to play. And, um, and that's really, for me, where it starts at. Um, it starts to end there, uh, per se, is with the defensive line. So I think if uh, whatever defensive line comes out and, and make plays, um, I think that's going to give the, the, the team the best chance to win. Pat, I got a question. You're Robert Sala. You're looking at this game plan, and you're saying, hey, listen, we can either go after Kirk with four or we can pressure him with more. What is your game plan decision? Man, um, I know Minnesota has a heck of a running game, and obviously, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins has got a lot of, you know, fight for not being able to, you know, win the big games, but uh, obviously just came off a big win, so they got momentum there. And, and I'm a, I am told someone the other day, I said, um, um, I truly believe there's always one of those teams that gets in as, as a wild card, and those and that's the team that you got to be, that you got to worry about. And 
I swear I, did, I wasn't thinking about it, but the Vikings is that team, I feel like. So I think the 49ers are really going to, um, like I said, they're really going to stop the run. First of all, it stops with start, stopping the run and then really just get after them with, I think, four. I don't think they they shouldn't have to bring no more than four because, like I said, that defensive line, those guys can get after it, and which means you can keep more in coverage. And, and so, yeah. Um, I would I would put a lot of pressure on the defensive line and let them just – it don't be no pressure for them. That's what they've been doing all year long. So um, I'll let the defensive line eat. Talking with uh, former 49ers linebacker Patrick Willis. Uh, Patrick, you played eight playoff games in your career, and you know all about the atmosphere. You know how tough it is. How difficult is this task for the Minnesota Vikings to go to San Francisco? The fact that the 49ers have the week off, they had plenty of time to prepare for the Vikings, they're getting healthier while the Vikings are a little dinged up. From you having been there, how challenging is that for Minnesota? Um, you know, I think it's going to be uh, a big challenge. Obviously, you know, the 49ers, they got the, the bye for a reason. Um, they played tremendously well all season. Um, they were very consistent. Um, across the board. So, again, I think the Vikings, um, you know, coming off a big win, you know, is huge for them because they get to, you know, ride that momentum and the Niners have kind of been, you know, setting and, and you know, uh, riding the momentum that they had you know, winning the big game in Seattle. So, I think really um, it's going to be um, it's gonna be a great game and, and I think both teams are really going to be up for it. Me personally, um, um you know, I got the game being at least seven points, uh, either or. Uh, of course, I'm going to go with the Niners, but I think it's going to be about a seven-point game and one of those guys' favors. Dude, no question it's going to be a slugfest. So now say you're the Vikings defense and you're the middle linebacker this, and you're looking at this 49ers offense. What on this offense scares you the most? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Man, you know, Coach Shanahan, um, I won't lie. Um, you know, I've always prided myself on – Truly trying to understand the offensive coordinators that we were playing against, and when I when I look at Shanahan's uh, offense and the way those guys are played, they are very balanced. Obviously, they they are a tremendous run team, but they can also throw uh, throw the ball uh, as well. And when Jimmy G is uh, feeling his when he's on, um, he's he's on, and when he's off, I don't think he's off that that much. But when he's on, man, it's going to be a uh, be a great day. So from the the Vikings, um, you know, I, I was just looking to play a complete game. Like, I mean, there is no room to say, you know, let's just only play, um, stop the off. I mean, let's only stop the run and let them pass because they can do that. So I think really they going to play a very balanced and complete, uh, a complete game across the board and get off the field on some third downs. Um, that's going to be very, very critical as it is every week, but really, really critical. Um, for the Vikings to not let the offense, uh, the Fortnite offense, like just play like they can. Because if they do, it could be a long day. So you said that when Jimmy's on, he's on, but when he's off, he's off. How do they get him off? Is it off his spot? Is it hitting him? Is it pressuring him? Is it, is it maybe dropping everybody and confusing him? Is it the exoticness? You know, Boone, that's a, that's a great question, man. I, I, I... You know, I, I, I feel like at, at times this year, and I, when I say the word off, I mean, I don't mean that as in like, you know. Oh, no, I know what like you mean. Like I said, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay, okay. No, no you're um, <laughs> I, I already sent the clip yeah. to Pro Football Talk. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, Patrick. It. No, it's going to be a headline now. Stop. No, no, because I, I, I'm, I'm a Jimmy G fan. Uh, but no, I say it to say that, 
you know, doing that, I, I, I really, I really feel if, if they can, uh, mm, I, I was going to say if they can, if they can stop it and make him throw, uh, then they got a great chance. But I really just feel like he's just one of those games you just got to watch him. And, and he has times where he just, like, they, I don't know if it's, it just have moments in there to where you see some throws or you see that they just can't complete some passes or some overthrowings here and there. And you just be like, Oh man, this could be one of those, one of those days and coming off the bye week, you know, coming against the Vikings. I just, uh, I hope this ain't the game that he kind of, you know, just okay shows up. And because I think this Vikings team is a little bit more than capable of, of you're not careful. Yeah. Of, you know, getting this win, and like I said, and then when you're in the playoffs, man, like it's a different, a different level. <laughs> it's a different animal too. So no mistake, you know, you can't afford to be off a little bit. So, you know, I just, I guess, just trying to see as the game kind of flows, but it'll be a good one. I'm hoping. <laughs> so, Patrick, how much football do you watch these days? I mean, are you still a football junkie and, and watching every week? And I'm curious if you have seen any of Eric Kendricks and, and what you see from him, because I, I think he had a, a good argument to be the Vikings team MVP. And the fact that he was back last week after having an injury was a huge difference maker yes. for the, for the Vikings in shutting down Jared cook and shutting down Evan Kamara last week. And I feel like you would be an Eric Kendricks fan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, I really, this year was the first year I kind of got back into you know, probably watching football a little bit more than I I had been um, after those after I retired. I just kind of kind of away from the game a little bit. Just wanted to you know kind of separate it and just you know break. I call it like break loose from it, um, yeah. so it don't feel like you can't be without it. So now you know I can watch the game and just kind of see it uh, more from a um, I almost said analytical um, point of view, but someone who's played it and now can just kind of sit back and watch it and be like, hmm. You know, this is the things I see. But with that being said, um, you know, I I haven't got a chance to watch a lot of um, Eddie Kendricks. Uh, just, is Eddie, is it Eddie? Eric, Eric, yeah. Eric, Eric, I can sorry, tell you haven't. Excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of them. But um, I know I, I, I had heard, you know, he was one of the, the younger um, – he was part of that younger group of linebackers that – were very prominent and can be uh, be a good good player and obviously it sounds like he's um, he's doing that and playing really well so um, I just look to see good defense um, you know at all times that's always a good sight to see see some young linebackers playing and making plays so I just don't want to make too many against our guys but I was want to play well. <laughs> I got a question for you, moving along from this game a little bit. And, and this goes back to early in our career together. But you were coached by a guy named Mike Singletary. And I want to know, what was it like to be coached by, obviously, one of the greatest linebackers in the history of the league? And not only that, but was there any ever pressure from him? Maybe that he didn't even push on you, but you just felt from naturally being around him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, Coach Singletary was uh, a very, very intense coach, but he has – his love for the game, but also his love for just uh, you as a person. You could you could feel both. And with him, I was very fortunate to to have him. I won't lie to you; not every day was fun. Uh, was fun in that state because you know you you go have to grind and you go have to work from that standpoint. Where you just like you know you look at the you looking at the other positions and everybody else laughing and cutting up during warm ups and oh, yeah. individual drills and we're about over there ready to die. I remember like, dude. Man 
<laughs> but with that being said, you know, one I've I, I, I told people this before, uh, short story, uh, real quick, that when my first training camp with Coach Singletary, I, I, I didn't watch you guys. I was like, man, I don't know if this is going to be it. I mean, my first play, I get cussed out. Uh, it's a toss to Frank. Larry Allen almost, like, killed me. I tried to use the same techniques I used in college. And Coach Singletary was just – he just went off. And I never forget, uh, that day was one of the most frustrating days to me. And, I, and I, that night we was in meetings, and he asked a question. And he was like um, – he, he asked a question. He said, he said, how's everybody feeling? Anything on your mind? And I remember I just kind of – they didn't bring me in on a, on a visit, so I wasn't sure. I was just like, I got something on mine. I got it real personal. And I just – I just started talking, right? And long story short, uh, after it was all over with, him and I stayed over and we talked. And one thing that he left me with that I'll never forget, he was like, he's like, son, you're asking questions. I, I get your heart. He said, I know what you, what you meant. He said, but you asking questions that can only be, uh, that can only be earned. You got to earn the right to be great. It's not given. You got to earn that. And I never forget leaving that meeting and telling myself that, you know, whatever it takes to be, one of the best. Um, I'm going to make sure I go out and I'm going to put forth all the effort. And each day he made sure that, you know, you came um, you came ready to practice and, and he was going to get better. So I was grateful to have a coach like that that uh, really just, like I say, he didn't necessarily, it wasn't him having to motivate me to 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 be uh, what, I, what I wanted to be. It was just him being there and just not, not letting me off the hook every day. I mean, he was – Accountability. I mean, it was like a great – yeah, 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 man. Every day it was accountability. It was a, it was a great like. How, how great were you today? Did you get better? Um, I mean, and you can't beat that having a coach like that, dude. As your teammate and as probably one of your biggest fans, you were without a doubt one of the greatest. And obviously, it shows up. You were just named to the College Football Hall of Fame. I got to know before we let you go. How is it being in the College Football Hall of Fame and also being a finalist in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah, man. It's truly, uh, truly an honor. Uh, just you know, grateful that. Uh, you know, after all the years that, uh, you know, you can look back on the, the body of work and a few, um, acknowledge it for being, being good, almost great work. And, and that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of because I always just, I always told myself one day when it's all sitting down, I want to look back and, and be able to enjoy, um, the work. Cause at the time, you know, it's just, it just grind, 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 grind. It's never good enough. It's never good enough. You always got to find a way to keep getting. Better and then you know when they recognize you for it, you appreciative as well as as also know there's other guys who are very appreciative and have done great work. So I mean I'm just honored for it and grateful for the teammates and the coaches and everything, man. That um, that I was able to enjoy the journey with. So it's awesome. Well, Patrick, uh, honored to have you on a five-time Pro Bowler. Or, I'm sorry, a seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, which uh, a lot of Hall of Famers do not have five-time All-Pro. I'm just saying that, uh, well, that, that, that I think you belong to be in there. He'll so. be there. He'll get there. Yeah, no doubt that it will happen at, at some point soon. So, Patrick, awesome to have you on, man. Great to have you on to preview this game. I know who you would pick. I'm not even going to ask you who you would pick because I got the sense that you would pick the 49ers, but I'll just say that uh, Alex and I really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, hey real quick, Alex. I, hey, I, I don't want to leave without saying something about you, man. I remember one time it was – remember remember Coach Singletary when he took over, after he took over that year, uh, he was the interim coach. Yeah, uh, and then he took over the head coach. Remember that? Remember that training camp we had that year? 
Oh yeah. But we just pretty much like to beat it. We are pretty much like to all beat each other to death. Like thirty days. So we were just straight <laughs> thirty days straight, man. No fans on. I never forget. We had a goal line day, a goal line day, and I saw you guys. Boom! If you want somebody to get your guys going, like and really just, I mean, really mean it. Uh, it was just one of the things I never forget. Boom was like. Yeah, it's short yardage. We about to show y'all, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, nah, not today. We got Justin and Ray. I said, we finna go at it today. And I never forget, Boone. They they pulled you on the first play, man. And I never forget when I came around that corner. The only thing that was in my head, I said, man, this guy is huge. He's big. <laughs> he reminds me of one of these big Nebraska guys. I said, man, I gotta come with him and everything I got. And I never forget, Boone. When we hit, it was when we hit. It was it. I, I felt. I felt. I said, you know what? I like him. I said he. He didn't back away. He came with it, and so I, I'll always uh, appreciate uh, you as a teammate, man. Just the, the energy and just the effort that you brought to the game, and um, and I hope all is well your way, man. I, I really appreciate do. That. Thank you, Pat. You were the best, man, for sure. And you are hey, will be a Hall of Famer, man. Thank you so much. Uh, much love, boom. Much love. Thank you guys for having me, man. All right. Thanks again, Patrick. Take care, man. All right. Thank you. Patrick Willis, one of Dude, the goats of he uh, the position, was the hardest hitting. I mean, him and Cam Chancellor will forever go down in my history as the hardest hitting dudes in the world because they look so compact and so tiny. But dude, their hips were so fast that they could get into you faster than you expected, and you would always get caught off guard. And another thing is, you try to put your hands on him, and he had the fastest hands. He'd like slap him off. You'd be like, God. I could get him next time. Then you end up like having to try to hold him, and he'd go underneath you, dude. He was so diabolical. I loved practicing against him. Uh, your, your track record is just uh, increasing here by getting Patrick Willis on. Everybody's answered the phone. It took two weeks for Terrence Newman, but you got Bradford showing up, Carson Palmer showing up, and now Patrick Willis, another great mystery guest. Alex, you got to um, keep him going. I like these mystery guests. I know, I know. I, now I'm I'm on the clock here. Now Although that, he now called him Eddie. You called him Eddie Kendricks. Well, like, ah! look, you called you called Mike Person Ben Person earlier today, so you know things. These things happen. Did I? I played with the Ben Person. Yeah, That's why. you did. Um, so did let's, you know that? Well, I, I didn't know that you played oh. with a Ben Person, but I know that you messed up the real guy's name. Oh. <laughs> I call him Ben Person for real. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, I played with did. both it's of them. Okay, it's all right. Eddie Kendricks will have a great game. Uh, this, <laughs> Eddie Kendricks. I, but, you know, let's go back to what Patrick Willis said about Jimmy Garoppolo getting shaken a little bit. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you look at his numbers under pressure this year, they're horrendous. And most guys' numbers are bad, but these are exceptionally bad when he gets pressured. But guess what? He does not get pressured all that often. No. Only 114 attempts this year out of uh, 476 where he was pressured. So basically one out of five. And when he was pressured, he had a 74 quarterback rating. When he wasn't, 110.8. That, to me, is everything in this game, is who gets pressure on the quarterback. Because Kirk has better numbers under pressure than Garoppolo does, but he also checks down to the fullback a lot when he's under pressure, especially up the middle. You're like, well, that's going to help your quarterback rating maybe, but it's not really helping them win this game. So I I think that that is really everything in this one between these two teams, Alex, other than how the Vikings just handle this treacherous route that they'll have to take to get to the Super Bowl. Well, you know what you you want to know how you beat this team? You have somebody show up like Jadavian Clowney did, and yeah. you just have them wreak havoc, dude. I'm telling you, the minute that that dude hit Jimmy in like the first series, 
Jimmy was like, it's going to be a long day. You see the quarterbacks. They'll show you on their face exactly how they're feeling. Like Some quarterbacks can hide it really, really well. Kirk Tom. definitely cannot. No, he can't. And that, <laughs> but that, that goes to my point that like that always bothered me as a, as a player because if I saw you reeling, what do you think the defense saw? They yeah. saw a sad puppy, and then they were like, <laughs> then they would make fun of us. Oh, your quarterback's gonna cry! Oh my god, he's gonna cry! You're like, dude, he's not gonna cry. Shut up, dude. Don't cry, okay? Don't, don't, don't cry. Like you, because they were like laughing at you. When teams see that, they're instantly like, yo, press that button harder, get yeah. to him more. It makes guys more competitive to see a guy, and this is gonna sound terrible, but to see a guy like weak and down in a, on a field, guys are like, dog, get him. Just go after him like you can. And when you can get to Jimmy, yeah, he will get stifled. He will be the guy that's running around. And I'm telling you, dude, this interior of the offensive line is going to be their key if they want to win. So I was just looking at this going back to that Mike Sando piece. And uh, another coach, defensive coach, was talking about the benefit that the Vikings have in slowing down the 49ers' run game because they face a fullback all the time. That And we see this often from opposing teams. When C.J. Ham is out there, there are three tight ends out there, that opposing defenses are like, wait... Who are all these people? I mean, I mean, How many have, guys are on the line here? 13? Yeah, there, My God. There's a run play in this last game where there are eight people on the offensive line. There's Love three it. tight ends. And it's like, wait, which one is Brian O'Neill? Which one is the tackle? And then O'Neill is the one who pulls around the other three. And the Saints were just baffled by this. And, of course, Dalvin Cook breaks a tackle and gets a seven- or eight-yard gain. But the Vikings and the 49ers have a similar advantage on defense comparatively because they practice against this all the time. They both know each other's offenses so well with the influence of where it comes from with Mike Shanahan on down to his son, on down to Gary Kubiak. And if everything starts with the run game, I love this matchup for for that reason, Alex, that it might come down to just who plays better because each team knows exactly what the other one's going to do. Whose fullback's going to get a neck roll this week? That's what it's going to come that down to. That is 100% Dude. the best way you could describe this football game. Think about it. Like The fullbacks are going to be so imperative. Who's going to be the fullback that goes through that hole looking for a linebacker? Who's going to be the fullback that lays out on a cut block on the zone so the running backs can cut back? I mean, you look at last week, and we had talked about this last week. Their linebackers love to over-pursue. They love to just get there. We'll beat you to the spot. Go ahead. I'll meet you there in five minutes. I'm just going to take this quick alley this way. This team this week is not like that. So whose fullback is going to come back and chop the defensive end? Whose fullback is going to come back and crank on the defensive end? And then whose fullback is going to show up in the hide route because the defensive end's getting sick of getting hit? You know, I mean, these guys are so creative and elusive. And I wouldn't be so surprised if Kevin Stefanski didn't maybe watch a few games in the San Fran and go, listen, we need to up Ham's production here. We need to get him going on some other things. We need to get him on some new routes. We got to get him rolling because these fullbacks could be the key to the game. Everyone's so prized on, we got to stop Dalvin. We got to stop Kittle. Dude, Who's ever like, we got to stop the fullback How this great week. is that? Dude, that's what is, is amazing is that could be the game winner, the fullback. Oh, I was thinking about this just driving in, about yes. how last year the Rams and Chiefs played a game that was, I don't know, 68 to 62 or something Nobody like that, whatever yeah. it was. And after that game, everybody talked about, this is the NFL now. Everybody's just going to score a gazillion points. It's going to turn yeah. into, you know, p- whatever it is, Pac-12 late at night football <laughs> that we see UCLA and Washington <laughs> State. And uh, we've gone back the other way, and I can't help but just love the ebbs and flow 
of how football works, where everybody comes up with these certain things. But Kevin Stefanski once told me having the fullback is like having a big man down low in basketball who can protect the rim. So many big men now are small. They shoot threes. So if you got a guy below there who's big and who can back you down if you need to, like it's a unique advantage that nobody else has, and that's Kyle Juszczyk, and that's C.J. Ham, and that's George Kittle, and that's Irv Smith. These these hybrid type of players, right. and and I I just love that this is the philosophy that has worked out to be here that everyone's talked about. It's going to be the spread. It's all about the spread offense, and yet here we are with the same stuff that was working for the Denver Broncos in the '90s is working here now. Love it. You got to love that, dude. The it thing is the that, best. Especially like a Terrell play Davis. Some tech mobile oh, right now. my God. Don't get me started about that. But you know what else you're going to see a lot of this week, too, is these guys out of the backfield. Because I guarantee you they're going to want to get these guys on some linebackers. They're going to want to really test these linebackers. Like, listen, let's put Kittle off the ball in like a deuce set, and then we're going to motion him back to like an offset out of the backfield, and then he's going to run a flat route, or he's going to run a Texas route, or he's going to run a wheel route, you know, it's, because that's how you get them on linebackers. And then all of a sudden you're running pick plays, and then all of a sudden these, these guys that are just incredible athletes at such large bodies are just catching balls out of the backfield and running downfield. you got Dalvin doing it. I mean, this is, to me, the more you talk about it, it's going to be the backfields that win this game because everything is going to be out of there. All right. If you weren't jacked up enough, you're God, we've, you better be now. We've got hot routes. So already we've got injuries. We still have to talk about Kyle Rudolph's gloves being stolen Which or is just, whatever see, sold online. Too much. Um, and then, and, and uh, then we have to get our sort of final thoughts on this thing from you and who's going to win and what the, let's say, the path to victory maybe is going to be. So we'll definitely do that. When we come back, Zolgad will also join for Hot Routes because he heard there were Hot Routes, so he's in. Uh, We'll be right back. You'll listen to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 580! 397! All right, Judd Zilgad heard there were hot rods, and before the segment is over. I had to get in here. I definitely need your take on Glovegate and such. Um, Hi, Alex Boone. Alex, who... Sending me a text, who let Judd in? I know. I know. Why wait? Hold on. I thought we were Not buddies. <laughs> you can't sneak in here like that. <laughs> I thought oh, we were friends. Only for the hot routes. Only friends. for the best part. Not grinding the rest of the time. Uh, well, <laughs> I love it. Judd, Judd has been grinding, though. Don't worry. With the coffee club from 11 to 12 uh, mm. every day. So you have been doing a lot of the Lord's work there. Uh, let's ramp it up, Jonathan, and get going. I've got five very important questions as it pertains to Vikings and 49ers only. The hot routes must be focused on this game, of course. So let us begin. On paper, this is close. Super close. Alex's head just exploded by the end of last segment because of how close this is. So, of course, the 49ers have the advantage. Let's say, though, that this was going to be a neutral field game. You could play it anywhere in the country, college or the NFL, what stadium would you play Vikings 49ers? Alex, why don't you begin? 
Dude, Philly. I would play it in Philly with Philly fans just because it's outdoors. It's cold as hell they right now. They would throw stuff at both teams. Exactly. It's grass. Dude, it's a run game. We just talked about all the fullbacks that we're going to be watching all day. Dude, nothing beats a muddy, possibly rainy, cold, fullback-driven football game to see who's going to go on to the NFC Championship. It would be. And then you got Philly fans, like, super drunk in the stands yelling at everybody. That'd be incredible. Can I throw it back just a little bit? Yeah. And say Miami, but the Orange Bowl. Mm. I want the Orange Bowl. Big game, home of Super Bowl three, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want this um, Joe Robbie, pro player, blockbuster, whatever the hell they call it, stadium. I want the classic Orange Bowl, this game there. What about Jerry's World? Would you play it down there? No, that's no, silly stadium. I, I want throwbacks, man. I want throw. I'm tired of dude. New stadiums. Kansas City would be another great place to play. Kansas City, Denver, outside, dude. You got to play it outside. It has I, to be on grass. I like that. No yeah, I cannot stand domes. Like I think that that is such a disadvantage for everybody. Like, dude, you, the outside elements make football football, and so that's why I'm thinking like, especially because of the cold weather. Because you want everyone to kind of be, dude. Green Bay. Oh man. Yes. All right, let's not name all the football stadiums. Uh, Jonathan, your pick. Jerry World was in mind, but one of my favorite football stadiums in the country is Death Valley Tiger Stadium where LSU plays. Just that atmosphere for Alabama LSU. If you can get that atmosphere for a playoff game, bring it on. I, I certainly like a lot of the NFL stadiums for atmosphere, and the Superdome went to the very top of my list from the best atmosphere I've ever seen last week. However... There was one time when I was doing minor league baseball games where we traveled to State College, Pennsylvania mm. to uh, have the State mm. College Spikes and the Batavia Muck Dogs face off in the battle of the century for single-A baseball teams. Also, quick aside, that was when the Joe Paterno thing was going on. Ooh. So there were all sorts of media there, so CNN and everything else like across the board. And uh, one of my very first tweets ever was, wow, a lot of intrigue for this Muck Dogs Spikes game. <laughs> You were trolling already. Yes, yes I know. You were. Way back As a young day. play-by-play guy. But, hey, to be fair, though, that is a great place to play. That's right. It's right on the campus, the yes. minor league stadium. So in the shadow of this 100,000-seat behemoth that has the outdoor factor, and it's in Pennsylvania, so it could get ugly with the weather, and you could just put so many people. I've never seen a stadium that goes so high up. Yes. You could put so many human beings in that thing. I would love to play it at whatever that stadium is called, at Penn State. There you have it. It's incredible. All right, our next hot route. Would you rather have Randy Moss or Jerry Rice? Right now or in their prime? That's a serious question, I mean, in their prime. That's a serious question. Seven on seven. You don't think that Randy Moss could play right now? You don't think Randy Moss could play right now? I didn't say that. He probably could. But Jerry Jerry Rice could. We don't need him right now. I mean. Talking about their prime. In their prime, would you rather? Back in the 90s. Yep. you could yeah. pick either one for you. one game. Who I hear are you, you. picking? You didn't Moss specify. I was just checking. All right. Don't get mad at me. All right. Who do you want? Tension's running high in the locker room right I know. now. I know. Why are you this is Because it's a big week. People are I tense, know. okay? Did you steal my gloves? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Kyle. Come on. All right, Judd, who are you taking? Randy or Jerry? Oh, man. You know, know. You know where I'm going? You know where I got I got to do it. I got to take Randy. Mm-hmm. Jerry's so good, and Jerry is great. But Randy, when Randy was in his prime, yeah. I contend he changed the league. He changed the game. He changed how we thought about uh, passing attacks. He caught he caught balls and passes he had no business catching. If if I got to pick, I'm picking Moss in his prime. 
I love it. All right, so I'm going to pick Randy, and I'm going to pick him for this one reason. There was one week that we played that somebody said, there's no way that you can catch every single pass from Colin Kaepernick with one hand. And Randy was like, <laughs> bet. And I swear to God. Wow. I swear to God. Oh, my god! Because there was, there was some things riding on this. So it was like, the old line was like, yo, Cap, fire it in there. He was like, done. <laughs> I mean, this thing would sizzle by my face. Gone. One hand. Boom. Caught it. I was like, dude, there is no chance he can do it again. The whole week he caught every pass with one hand. And not only that, but Randy was tough, dude. Like, Anquan was tough, but Randy was tough, tough. So I'm taking Randy in this prime. Okay, I understand you guys' arguments. Uh, Jonathan, you want to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Randy Moss. He had that vertical ability, like no player before oh, yeah. him or after him. And is if it doesn't matter if there's one, two, or three defensive backs around him, he would catch it. It was like Sam Bradford said, just throw it up, and he's going to catch it. So I, I'll pick Jerry Rice only because you could throw to Jerry Rice every play, any part of the field, underneath, yards after catch. This is a guy that played for 600 years in the NFL and averaged 15 yards a reception. A long and time. in his oh, prime, yeah. 600 from, years. from 86 to 93, he led the NFL in touchdowns six out of those eight years. And, and, of course, yards and receptions and all those things, too. So his big playability, I feel like because of later in his career, he was more of a possession receiver. His big playability was not talked about as much. But this year, Diggs, think about how much he's gone down the field, average about 18 yards a catch. That was Jerry Rice in 1986, averaging 18 yards a catch. He was a big-time player down the field. And so I think he could do the Moss stuff, but the underneath was completely dominant and unguardable, too. It's a, it's a very, very, very slight edge. To Jerry Rice. Maybe he would block. Mm. Block mm. a little better. Mm. I don't know. Randy. Very, very slight edge. All right, our next hot route. Adam Thielen got hurt in practice when he got tangled up or cleated by a teammate, and he ended up with stitches on his ankle, which has left him questionable if you missed that early in the show for this game. I would suspect that he's going to play based on his comments, but mm-hmm. we've also heard Delvin Cook and everybody else say when they get to the podium, oh, I'm playing. Oh, I'm playing. Dude, you got bit by a Jaguar. Like, you're bleeding right now. Like, no, dude, I'm playing. I'll be fine. Shouldn't you be in the hospital? Like, no, no, I'm good. I don't even know what happened. You got bit by a Jaguar. That's what happened. Uh, That's how injuries are out there. But uh, (laughs) let's just assume he plays. I want you guys to give me the stupidest way you've ever gotten hurt. Alex, I'm dying to hear this one. I'm so embarrassed right now. I'm so embarrassed. All right, listen. Everybody sit down and, and don't laugh. One time, a long time ago, I was playing basketball in the backyard with my brother, and we were, like, playing horse. And it was like, hey, listen, I'm going to jump off the garage and dunk it through the hoop, like oh. trying 360 my way through there. I jumped off a garage, and I was in the eighth grade, so I was, like, 6'8", 300 pounds. <laughs> and I didn't know how to land at the time. You guys laugh, but I broke both my heels. I broke oh. both my heels. I, oh, my God. mom made me go to a track meet afterwards. Because she was like, there's no way you broke both your feet. Because she's like, what happened? I was like, I just jumped up and I came down and rolled my ankle. She's like, good, you're good to go. Get in the car. Dude, I went and had to go throw shot put on two broken heels. And then I go to the hospital and the doctor's like, there's no way you could have broke both of these. Just jumping. I'm like, doc, I don't. My brother's looking at me like, dude, you say a word and I'll kill you. (laughs) Dude. I was jumping for joy. That was it. Six months later, we told her. The doctor was like, well, that makes more sense. Like, dude, it was horrible. I had to get a wheelchair. It was just because I had two casts. Dude, it was. So you play in the NFL for as long as you did. And that's the worst injury. Well, I, I had another one in high school. I was playing defense and I had no business being on defense. And I knew that. And coach. Tress told my coaches afterwards, but I was getting up from a pile, and this kid late hit me in the elbow, and Ooh. he put his helmet right on the outside of my elbow, and it bent in oh. the entire oh. way. So I'm running off Fuck. the field, 
And I'm like looking at this like this isn't looking right. And your body goes into complete shock. Like I don't know what I'm looking at, but this isn't right. My friend comes out of nowhere and grabs my hand and pulls it down and snaps it back ah, in. I swear what? to God, the doctor's like, dude, the chances of him not shattering your forearm when he did that were so incredible. Like I have no idea how that's in now. I ended up playing the next week, too. My coaches were like, you're good, right? My not, mom was like, he great. will play. Not he will great. play. Your mom was tougher than oh, yeah. Zimmer. She was, she was like, he'll play. Don't worry. We'll cast it if we have to. Wow. Oh, yeah, Zimmer was tough. My mom's a baller, dude. I came from a tough wolf bag. Whoa. Tell you. Anybody else? I got, I, I got nothing. I, you know what? I'll recuse myself. <laughs> this man almost died twice, basically. I got nothing. Jonathan, you seem like someone who would hurt yourself by accident. <laughs> well, in fourth grade, I was swinging on a swing, but I wasn't holding the chains. Oh, I yeah. was... Holding, I crossed my arms across my chest without holding the chains. Ended up flipping off the swing backwards oh. and landed full weight right onto my wrist and broke it. Oh, oh. great! Yeah, no, you still fun. can't. No, you still can't, can't challenge the guy sword. who jumped off his garage. No. I so, made it though. I made it. I can't either. But this is sort of similar. So uh, my dad had a very good um, touch on his pass in the backyard. So he would he would lead you. He'd throw, put some air underneath it, and uh, Randall how, Cunningham. How would you just? Well, not quite, but like one of those one of those guys with no arm strength left, like a, like a Brad Johnson or something. Yeah, where you're like, first I don't even I see of. a receiver over. Oh, okay. Like eight seconds later, the receiver got to the spot. He just anticipated. Philip Rivers passes now. Uh, that's how my dad was in the backyard. So he, I'm, I'm running a pass route. He throws it way out in front of me. I'm watching the ball. I'm uh, running. Nope, I reach nope. out. There's a lawnmower there. Caught oh, no. the ball, ran into the lawnmower, and flipped over the lawnmower. And just laid there for a very long time. Luckily, I was not severely injured. But it was one of those knock the wind out where you're like, dead? <laughs> Dying? Possibly? Close. The lawnmower was a sa- was the safety. Up. Yep. Yes. Yeah. That was Steve you ran Atwater. into Harrison Smith. Yep. That was an all too real simulation of what it was like to play against Steve Atwater. So wow. that is the dumbest way that I got hurt playing with my friends. Uh, all right. Next hot route. Dan Bailey, guys, is sixth all time. We go from the injuries to the kickers. Sixth all time in field goal percentage. He's twenty seven for twenty nine this year. If Bailey has a repeat of the Kai Forbath 2017 divisional round situation where he needs to kick a 52-yard field goal to win against the 49ers, do you trust Dan Bailey? Or because it's the Minnesota Vikings, will you never trust anyone ever? Judd, you seem perfect for this question. Yes, you do. Um, this was written specifically like, with you in mind. Dan Bailey's had, you know, for the most part, a fantastic year. He is for the most part, shut the coach up. But with the scenario that you just brought up in what can be a windy environment on grass, no, I don't trust anything. I don't trust anyone. No, I have no faith. If you're a Vikings fan, (laughs) you shouldn't. You've got Gary. You've got Blair. Why not add Dan? No, I can't go there. But Kai's the only one we could trust. But Kai was indoors. Oh, it's true. If Kai had been on grass, outside, perhaps windy, do I trust Kai? No. Indoors, I trust Dan. Outdoors, in Santa Clara, don't trust Dan. Alex, have you ever trusted a kicker in your life? You know what? I used to, and we've talked a lot about kickers this year and how much they just piss me off. Like You see them walking out there, right? You see them walking out there, and they always act the same. Like They don't see anybody but the field goals. Dude, I know you see everybody out there. Stop pretending like you're looking through like the hourglass, like I'm looking at the future. I'm with you. There's so many times you're like, dude, this is so routine. Even my eight-year-old is like, Dad, he's probably going to miss it. I'm like, yep, 
How about, yeah, how about Will suck. Lutz? Will Lutz is higher on this list all-time Dude. percentage than Dan Bailey. But I do have more faith in Dan Bailey than I would most other kickers. Seriously, like, if it were Eddie Pinheiro, there's no chance I'm giving you that. <laughs> there is no chance I am letting you even talk You might have killed that. him by now if Dude, you play for the Bears. Not a chance am I going to let that do. But, like, I like... What Dan Bailey's done, the dude is on point. Yeah. I don't like how they, you know, they do their silly little look and they like, you know, yeah, they, yeah, they give him the nod. Yeah, go ahead, snap it. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Like, dude, just snap the ball and go. But yeah, I like his chances. Jonathan, do you trust Dan Bailey? I trust Dan Bailey. I don't trust the fact that he's a Vikings kicker in these situations, as Judd laid out. You know, you had you had the pr- two previous kickers. I mean, it's going to happen with the Vikings. If you have to rely on a kicker to win a game for you, it's Probably not going to happen. I wonder what they did to deserve that, like the bad juju or whatever. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. Started I, in 1961. I'll tell you why I would believe in Dan Bailey is because of punter Britton Colquitt. He is a tremendous holder, from my understanding. Now, I don't understand a thing about how to hold correctly. You asked them, Judd, in training. That's why did a big thing on it? Yeah, and, hold it. Uh, the art of the hold. Colquitt is just spectacular at it, and since he's been the holder and not Matt Weil, Dan Bailey has it down. Their rhythm, the rookie long snapper. The rookie long snapper definitely sounds like something that would go wrong, and we'd be like, a rookie long snapper! But they were totally fine with the pressure on in the Superdome, and I think Dan Bailey will be all right if he has to kick in San Francisco, even if it is from way downtown. Assuming it's not super windy, and then there might be nothing you could do. And what about so that the, turf there, though? To the, what, yeah, that it, turf I was suspect. Just say that. It's been suspect for a while. Not only that, but you have two defensive tackles that are both six foot nine. Like, don't forget those dudes oh, that's are raw. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can't. Get, <laughs> the Forrest like, Buckner, yeah. Those were always the worst. Like, you were like, how are you going to keep their hands down? That's hard, man. Because if you try to shoot out, they just pull you, and then one jumps through. Like, you got to be smart this week. All right, last one. How many championships would the Vikings have had if they traded for Steve Young? Instead oh, of the San Francisco 49ers trading for Steve Young. What do you think, Judd? Um, I would estimate two or three. And let me give you the first one. The first one, I, I believe if Steve Young was traded at the same time that he was from Tampa to San Francisco, if he was traded to the Vikings, the first one is 1987 when the Vikings beat the Saints. They kicked the crap out of the Niners in Correct. San Francisco yep. in Candlestick and then lost in the uh, conference title game at Washington, which I think Steve Young wins. And then I would say there were several Denny Green teams in the 90s with uh, Chris Carter and eventually Young retired in 99. But if he had gotten Moss in 98, I think somewhere in the 90s you get a second title. So I'm going with two Super Bowl championships if Steve Young had been traded from Tampa Bay to the Vikings. What do you think, Alex? I was going to say for sure one with the Moss if you'd have been there. But, dude, for sure more in those offenses. I mean, I was just talking to Jonathan before about Tom Moore and how I was with Tom Moore in Arizona. And, dude, he was an offensive guru. It was so fun to watch him get up there and talk about, like, how receivers were going to pit it against the safeties. And, and dude, Carson Palmer under a Tom Moore offense, dude, he was like you couldn't imagine how fun it was to be a quarterback. And you think about all the times that Steve Young was able to make plays off of his feet, second windows, running around, having fun. Like, he, I agree with Judd. For sure, two or three, maybe even more. I'm right there with those guys. Two or three, if not more. I mean, if you somehow get Randy Moss on a Steve Young team with the receivers that he already had, you're for sure winning at least one there. And then earlier on, 92, they went 11 and 5, 87, they, or 88, they went 11 and 5 as well. 
one of those two years, you sure, for sure win one of those. Vikings had such excellent were, teams. I was going to say, they were years. good. They were real good. Denny had good teams. It was real just always good. this mix mash of yes. whoever at quarterback, yep. and it was Salisbury, and it was Wilson. Jim McMahon. And McMahon. And Moon. Yeah, that's right. Warren Moon. These are yeah. the numbers for Steve Young from 1991 to 1997. Mm-hmm. He went 71-25 and with a 102 quarterback rating, 159 touchdowns and 64 interceptions, averaged over eight yards a pass in an era where the NFL was averaging about six. That's and true. the quarterback rating on average was about 80-something. He was so far ahead of the rest of the NFL. From 91 to 97, he led the league in quarterback rating all years but one. He was basically, in my mind, that era's Drew Brees. And I agree that I think he would have won several championships with this team. I mean, he had teams in San Francisco, 14-2 and two as a starter, 13-3 and three as a starter, 12-3. and three. He did not lose a whole heck of a lot. And I feel like if the Cowboys aren't around, he might end, have ended up with... More championships, but even the Vikings might have a shot oh, at, yeah. at beating those Cowboys teams would have. if yeah. they had had Steve good offenses. Young. Definitely. All right, so that is a hot route. And while you're here, Judd, another thing that is sort of up your alley. Ooh. Uh, this story about <laughs> Kyle Rudolph, and I also want your perspective on this, Alex, from the from the player angle. So Kyle Rudolph gives his gloves and signs them to someone claiming that they were going to give them to charity or sell them for charity, and you know whatever, donate the money. So Kyle Rudolph says, sure, why not? I'll do it. And then discovers that those gloves are up on eBay being sold for $375 and not under the charity auction part of eBay. Because eBay makes it specific what is a charity auction. So it looks like somebody essentially just told him a lie and was trying to profit off of this lie by selling the gloves. So some guy buys them. The guy says he's going to take some money, for, give it back to charity, and of course, Minnesotans start donating like crazy, and I saw the last count is $11,000 that is going to Kyle Rudolph's charity. But let's let's talk about those locker rooms after a playoff game, Alex. Yes. What the eh is going on in those locker rooms is insane. There's so many people you've never seen before. It's such a cluster. The players are trying to sort of celebrate their win with each other, but there's a million bodies just wandering in and stepping on gear and everybody gets a credential that has a name. And plus, you have interns for teams that get credentials. You have random friends and family members who can just pretty much walk into the locker room if they want to out there. So what the only part that I was sort of annoyed with, because obviously Rudolph is victimized, but he wrote on Twitter that it was a media person. I'm like, dude, you don't even know who it was who came in and, but- and told you that they were a media person. Yeah, and that's the thing is he probably just told him that he was a media, and he probably wasn't. I mean, dude, that's the one thing you just said. It's it's completely chaotic, and especially how small was the Saints visiting locker room? Oh my gosh, insanely dude. small. Well, it's the two sides, right? I, right. One side yes. is always on defense. Yep. One side's the offense and special teams. But it's so insanely crowded. There's a showers in between, and it's barely the size of what like some people's basements. Yep. I mean, dude, it is like completely chaotic and then you have bags full of shoulder pads and you have equipment staff and you have trainers and you have coaches and people are trying to go over things and there's media members everywhere it's completely chaotic and i think it's getting to the point to where the safety of the players is not number one anymore because you this isn't the first time we've heard about somebody coming in number one is probably not a media member and stealing something out of someone's stuff right, it happened in the super bowl Exactly. Like, if you can't keep the players safe in their own locker room, what are you doing? That's that's always been our biggest pet peeve because there have been people that walk around and you're like, dude, what is this guy doing? Like, he's clearly not here to interview anybody. He's just staring at everybody. This is weird. Like, you know, and that's when you got to say something. But it's it's 
weird because you're kind of fragile in that moment. And you always feel like when you're in a away game, you're like, listen, man, I just want to shower up and get out of here. Like, we're not comfortable here. We don't know what's going on here. Let's just get the hell out of here as fast as we can. I feel bad that he got taken. But at the end of the day, Kyle, like, dude, <laughs> you should know people are doing this nowadays. It's 2020, man. Like, somebody stole Tom Brady's jersey. They're certainly going to steal your gloves. Yeah, no, nobody in the media should ever be asking you for anything. I mean, no. It says it right there on the credential. You're right. That that's like A, number one, the biggest thing that you could do to ruin your career right there would be to start acting unprofessionally and asking for, even if it is legitimately for a charity, you go through the team right. to get something like that. And they are incredibly gracious and generous with stuff to, to donate. So you could always do that. To go right up to a player and ask them for something after a game would be an obvious red flag. And I'm sure that Kyle was just trying to be nice, but you know, in the future, it's a thing that athletes should pay attention to is who are these people? What are they asking me? What are they asking me for? I also think, Judd, that from a reporter perspective, that the local people who are there every day should be able to go into the locker room, and then otherwise it should be bringing people out. So, Like college? Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Or, That's how or, colleges or operate. At, or at podiums, and, and you can have yeah. limited access to only podiums or something like that. Yep. Because I'm, I'm not like complaining here. I'm just talking about from a player perspective that it gets so chaotic in there. And like you said, Alex, there are guys and people walking around who are like, what are you doing It depends in here? on the size, right, you? too? Well, that makes a, like that, that makes a that difference for sure. Superdome locker room is ridiculous. You yeah. can't move. Like you're tripping every, on things. Every visiting locker room is like yeah. I mean, I mean, the only one that's big I can really think of off the top of my head is Dallas. Like Dallas is so ungodly big that their visiting locker rooms huge. But even then, the Chicago's it's, really tiny. Chicago's is you have like wooden lockers with a wooden bench along the whole way, and that is like one narrow long strip. So you're all fit in there. Phillies is tiny. Detroit's Dude, all, not that big, right? No, uh, Detroit's is Ford Field. Detroit's is just a big box, but you're right. When you get the Lions places, one is great, but yours what yours wasn't. Which one? In Detroit. Um, so the the home the, team the has a big team. one, but yeah, but the, all, the all Vikings locker rooms are visitors small. don't. Yeah, that's, and that's what sucks about the media people, and, and they're constantly like running into you, and you're like, please get off of me, like just get. Oh, like I need my space. It's Where very this, difficult. Yeah. It's so. You know what the worst place to go is London. Oh my God! Those soccer stadiums are tiny. No, they're small people. No, dude, you got your bags with you. You got your bags for the flight. You got everything, and then all these people are like, "So you just lost in London? How was that?" You're like, "Wow, can't wait for the 16-hour flight home." It's terrible. I I was clearing space for guys like Shamar Stefan is looking at me like, I, "There's no way I can leave." Yeah. That's the like, best, dude. The what? awkward stare, like I'm in my towel and you're not, and I'm like, "Who do you think's gonna move here? Yeah, not me." I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I used to do that to everybody. Like, do you? Th- do you- I'll drop the towel. Do you really tr- trust me? Because I will. Well, there's, there's. I would have trusted that- you to <laughs> drop that towel. By the way, Alex, I would have for sure. There are certain people that just don't care about that anyway, and just go on wandering through no matter what. So. I, won't I don't know name, what you're talking about. I won't name names, but it is uncomfortable. So then you add the small, tiny area to it, and then so many randos in there. It's like, we need to probably change the way we do this. Nobody should yeah. ever ask for a thing, though. And, and the ever. other thing... No, no, that's inappropriate. The dude. other thing, too, about the way teams handle these is you kind of just walk up to one guy and sort of show him a badge and then walk right through. Like, there isn't a whole lot of... Who are you with? What team? Oh, it's yeah. sort of just like they yeah, just you go you wandering through. Yep. So if you had any type of credential, you could walk yep. in there and walk up to Kyle Rudolph and do this. But I'm glad that everything worked out in a, in a good way. I still wonder, so the guy buys them on eBay, but you don't have to ship them right away. So are they ever going to get shipped to this guy? That's what he didn't know. 
I don't think I doubt. He didn't know. I doubt they're ever going to get shipped to this person, and we probably. Why would you pay for something that out. you are? Why, why would you trust a stranger to ship it though? Well, that's is eBay. My question. I mean, that's kind of. Oh how it works. yeah, see, that's why I don't that, do it. Yeah, that's just eBay. I'm I not, don't trust so, people. Question: I'm not on eBay. Did it go up as the gloves worn by Kyle yep. Rudolph? So some moron really put that out there, and yep. then was like. Nobody's going to know that these are the real ones. Right. Oh yeah, th- that someone wouldn't send it to Dude, Kyle Rudolph. If you paid for those, shame on you. And if you are really putting those up there like that and then pretending like you're not going to donate those to charity... Double shame on you. That's even worse, dude. That's terrible. Well, they end up raising a lot of money for Kyle Rudolph's uh, That's charitable fair. efforts, which are uh, impeccable. So good for him that he ends up uh, being a positive off of a very weird situation, which hopefully they will not let repeat itself in Santa Clara. All right. Thanks, Judd, for uh, Thank popping you. in here for Hot Thanks, Judd. See you. When we return, the path to victory. Maybe NFL music for 25 straight minutes. I have no problem doing that. Let's not a problem. Come right back. You listen to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar and Alex Boone on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North is all in for Vikings 49ers. Join Mackie and Judd for a special pregame show beginning at beginning Saturday at 1 p.m. leading up to kickoff. Plus Vikings Vent Line taking your calls immediately after the game and a three-hour special aftermath show on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Watch the game anywhere. Talk about it here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala talking about... How he plans on stopping the Vikings' prolific run game, saying... Yeah, this is a run-first team. you got to be able to stop the run. They do a really good job first and second down. They're uh, very similar to our offense in, the re- in regard to its play-action pass, its max pro, its shots downfield, boots, uh, run game. So uh, we've got to strap up our big boy pads and get ready to play some ball uh, this week. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. back here on the purple daily one more segment with alex boone and then tomorrow i will be flying out to santa clara california and it's not going to be the most easy trip ever to make because direct flights to san francisco aren't that uh, available san jose is actually closer and i'm flying to sacramento and then driving down to santa clara so it'll be be, uh it'll be fun day as long as everything goes okay i'm totally fine with traveling it's that You're gonna love it. things go wrong, we'll see. But anyway, I won't concern myself with that just yet. One play at a time, as I go. say on the show here. Uh, so that's where we'll be doing the show from tomorrow. Brandon Thorne, who uh, analyzes offensive and defensive line play, he's going to be on tomorrow, as well as uh, Myron Metcalf will be back here when I'm in Santa Clara. So excited mm. for that. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk about the path to victory here, uh, Alex. Do it. Let's start with the offensive side path to victory. I think it... 100% begins with Delvin Cook. I know yep. it's not a hot take, but we built up the entire Saints game with how healthy is Delvin, can he shred through tackles, and 65 of his 94 yards were after contact in that yep. game. And uh, he just battled and grinded, and sometimes they blew him up, and sometimes he blew them up as it was in playoff faction, um, fashion. And, and I, I feel like the shot down the field to Thielen was all set up by just the grinding out of Delvin Cook. And it's going to have to happen again. Yeah, for sure. You have to get this team to play a, a base defense, a nickel defense. They're, I mean, dude, they can be tough. And not to say they can't be had there, too, because Akilah Witherspoon has kind of been a little up and down, and I'm not sure why Mosley's not starting, but I think they're just like, hey, listen, all year this is what we've done. We're just going to stick with it. And we've said this before, too. 
It is so easy to get up here and be like, well, we're going to play some big boy football. Dude, that is so easy to say. Are you really going to do it? Like when Dalvin hits your star player and he's like, man, I'm not so sure this peck is prepared for this. Is the rest of your defense going to crumble too? Like there's going to be so many question marks. And then after that, how patient are the Vikings? Because at times both of these coaches have shown, like, listen, we're going to stick to our game plan. No matter what happens, no matter how far we get down. Now, there are times, like in Denver, where it's like, listen, we're too far down. We have to do something else. We have to just continue to move Kirk. we got to speed it up. But if you're playing a really close game, like, who's going to be the one guy that's like, maybe we should veer off the path? Maybe we should go to plan B a little earlier. Instead of saying, hey, listen, this is the type of football we've played all year. We're going to see if they can hold up for four quarters, 60 minutes, because it is hard to follow a run game for that entire length of time. Like the three yards become four, four become five, and next thing you know it's 15 and 20 of the big runs because your defensive line isn't being gap sound or they're getting out of position or they're just beat up from getting 30 runs at them the whole game. So you stick to the game plan if you're the Minnesota Vikings. And Alexander Hollins might end up being big in this one, too. everybody's big. Something that we haven't really talked about a lot, because there's just so many good players on the offensive side, is the role of Hollins to be able to come in from time to time as fresh legs, which I feel like is very, very difficult for opposing defenses when you have someone who runs over people. That Latavius Murray benefited from this, and Alexander Hollins averaged the same yards per carry with less talent than Delvin Cook because he could just run over people. And I, I think about the Dallas game. The 10 runs in a row and they score a touchdown. There needs to be a drive like that in every win that the Vikings have where it's just physical dominance. They run over people. You don't turn the ball over. You keep the clock moving. You protect the ball. You don't give it back to their offense. That's absolutely required for this Vikings team. And also the other thing, Alex, is when I watched the tape back, I was really wowed. I mean, with the, talk about a kitchen sink game for Rick Dennison, the run game coordinator. <laughs> Everything was thrown out there. You had jet motions where the receiver comes across and it looks like he might take a sweep. And I am not a fan of Stephon Diggs and M. Thielen in the jet sweep. I just don't think that they're great open field runners. They're not Tyreek Hill. Right. They're not, um, you know, uh, right. anybody who's going to just dodge a bunch of tackles and get 50 yards. They're not Cordero Patterson. But if you watch how the linebackers react or the safeties react, Whoops, I got to pay attention to that. Now I have to start moving out of the space. Now I have to get a man out of the box when we had an eight man box. Now we have a seven because we moved with that wide receiver. And Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak, Rick Dennison, it will be another throw the kitchen sink with the offensive game planning in, in the run. I was just so impressed by that and I thought it was a huge factor. Agreed. And a lot of that is smoke and mirrors, but some of it too is also like, all right, what defense are they really? You know, that, and that's the so much of the schematics of this game that people don't know is every time you're doing a motion, there's, I'd say 85% of the time there's a reason you're doing it. And 15% of the time it's what is the defense going to do? Like, hey, listen, if we do this later, or if we get in this personnel, or if we get in this formation, what are they going to do against us? Well, let's move somebody and see who, who's really going. If somebody runs all the way with them, they're in man. If somebody just trickles along and another guy trickles along and another guy, well, now they're in zone. And then sometimes you see the kills. I mean, these motions and these shifts and these, you know, they start to play a role when you start running them in the play. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, guys. Guys are going every which way, and linebackers, we used to do these hides a lot in the zone because it would freeze a linebacker. And he would be running like he sees he because he always keys the guards. The linebackers are always taught you key the guards because they're the most uncovered. So you see where they go. So if they all start going in a zone to the right, you know it's zone right. But if you see a hide route coming across your face, your natural reaction is to stop. 
and look and be like, where's he going and why is he going there? Is this a boot? Is this a play action? Oh, it's a really a zone, and now all of a sudden the guard has just climbed up on me, and I don't, haven't realized it because I'm, fi- I'm looking at somebody else. You, those are just the best plays because then you get five guys on five guys, and you let Delvin go, where do I want to go? Right there. That's where I want to go. And it's... Dude, it's simple, it's easy for an offense, it shows you so many tells of a defense, and it opens up so many lanes that people don't realize. All right, as we uh, continue path to victory, let's take a second here with an update on the 49ers injury situation. D Ford is going to be questionable for the game. That is huge to me, if they can rotate him in, because when he's healthy, he's a monster, and they've been using Armstead at defensive tackle. That would be over Brian O'Neill. but if you can mix guys in and start to wear down O'Neal throughout the game, that could be tough. Also, uh, Quan Alexander will be activated from IR, so that's another big one. He's a very, very good player, great athleticism, the type of guy who can cover in the flat when you get Delvin yes. Cook out there. So he will be a big factor uh, next to Fred Warner in this game. All right, now you give me one. So I gave you my offensive path to victory. You give me your Vikings offense path to victory. I have no idea what to ask you right now. Like your Vikings path to victory would be... You want to know something that the Vikings need to do, or I'm supposed to ask you something? You just throw out there what you think they need to do that isn't what I just said. I mean, I would say they need to be able to do something other than three-step drops. How do you feel about that? I mean, you can't just do quick game the whole day. How are you going to change it up? Like, if, say, D4 does play, what's going to be your answer for this offensive line to stop this 49ers defensive line? I mean, play actions. It has to be that, right? I mean, these guys cannot stand up in and keep Kirk straight up in the pocket with straight rushes. There's just no way. And Bosa is way too dominant. The other guys are good too. Buckner is he? Buckner clobbered them the first time that they played uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium in 2018, and then he's not even the third most talented guy up there at this point. Which is crazy, which so, is crazy right now. So, but I think he, they focus on him a lot. Yeah. So if you have to have straight dropbacks, I mean, that's where. You know, Cousins against New Orleans had a few straight dropbacks because they were playing two deep safeties where it was really excellent. I mean, drop back yeah. on time, step the foot throw, and you know, hitting, uh, just an example, Adam Thielen on third down twice because they had called the timeout and no one heard it. Uh, but then the second time, just straight drop back, no play action. But if you get into that too much... Then we're talking about this is going to look like Kansas City a little bit. This is going to look like Chicago a little bit, where the opportunities become very limited if you can't run play action. Right. And, you know, the one thing I will say about this, though, and people might not agree with me, but you don't see Jimmy phased a lot, right? Like He always just looks like he has this really calm demeanor about it. But when he does get phased, man, it is, like, glaring. Kirk, as of lately... He's been taking some hits. Like, if you saw that pass that he threw to Thielen, he was on the ground as he was watching Thielen catch it. He's been getting tougher in the pocket. Like, I feel like he's more confident to step in there. I'm going to take this hit, but you know what, dude? I'm going to, I'm going to put everything I got into it. Yep. I think that sometimes when you look at these games, and yeah, the 49ers on, you know, they're at home, they got this momentum. To me, a negative is they're coming off a week off. Like, dude, when you're a team that's been tested and people are talking about the Vikings, can they hold up two weeks in a row? You have a better chance with momentum behind you than a team that's been resting. Like, sitting in idle, like, okay, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting. This team's just kind of proved the world wrong. And not only that, they're led by a guy who knows how to bring them back to earth very quickly. Like, Team meetings were quick to be like, we are all humbled now. Got it. So you talk about a team that's going to go out there, a quarterback that knows he's probably going to get hit but probably will do better when he does get hit than the opposing quarterback. That, to me, also seems like a really good chance for this team to say, hey, listen, 
at times we're going to take our shots. Yes, we know they have. They're going to they're going to get exotic or they're going to bring guys. They're going to twist them. They I think we get at the front four. But Kirk, if you can stay in there and hold up for maybe half a tick, dude. The the juice is worth the squeeze, my dude. <laughs> It's true. Uh, the numbers on no play action versus play action for Kirk Cousins are pretty remarkable. With play action, 129.2 quarterback rating, 14 Huge. touchdowns, two picks. And the average is almost 10 yards a pass when running play action. When not, just okay. Good numbers, 7.4 yards per attempt, 97 quarterback rating. But there's a huge jump in his play when he gets the play action. Now, but the point that you just brought up of Cousins and his leadership and throwing, you know, showing the toughness and the resilience of last week was something that had been reasonably and fairly questioned throughout his yeah. career. And uh, I'm not going to be upset with players or with the head coach who says, uh, look, guys, there's a reason why everyone questioned. We didn't just pick Kirk at random, okay? There's a reason. But I don't blame them for that, that they want to say, oh, it was just media or whatever else. you got to do that to keep everybody believing in Kirk Cousins. But here's what I've seen this year many times when they get down. They, they win a game, they beat the Lions, everybody's happy. Oh, Kirk threw for 350 yards. Then by the first two drives against, say, Green Bay or Chicago or wherever it might be, they struggle a little bit, and they go three and out, and Kirk takes a bad sack, or he overthrows the fullback, and everybody starts to look around like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And, every, and, and you see on tape, you see guys throwing their hands up, you see them slumping their shoulders. And I don't know if that disappears because of what happened last week. I think that we looked at last week, and we kind of saw a little bit of that, and he kind of climbed out of it quickly. Like, listen, I don't want to go down that road. I'm going to go down this road instead. There's, You're going to be tested in this game. At some point, this defense is going to be bearing down on you. I like that through this season, we've seen him get tougher. We've seen him put more on his shoulders. We've seen him be able to overcome a huge game in beating the Saints. But this team this week will do the same thing. They're tough. They're going to be prepared. They're going to be ready to punch you in the mouth. If you can come ready to play, ready to punch back, ready to go. I really do think that Kirk has taken a step in his own mind, and I think this team is really now like, listen, now we can go. Now we can take more steps. We are prepared for the number one team in the NFC. If there was a team right now that was prepared to do it, it would be the Minnesota Vikings. They're both playing complementary football, which is really nice, but it's physical complementary football. All right, path to victory on the defensive side. I think it's just being ready for every single thing that Kyle Shanahan is going to throw at you. They've got playmakers. Emmanuel Sanders completely changes the ball game for them. They're a much more explosive offense when Emmanuel Sanders is in there. And uh, then you have George Kittle and Juszczyk and these three running backs that come out of the backfield. It makes it very, very difficult with all the weapons that they have. But you have a lot of great players on the defensive side as well. I think it's just you know that there's going to be stuff you're not ready for. How are you going to react? Right, and I think it too is the one thing I love about Zimmer's defense is that they're always disciplined. So you know they're always going to be in the right gaps. You know that they're always going to be on time. They they know what's going on. They're well studied. They're well versed. You gotta shut down Kittle. You have to play physical with him. You have to let him know from play one. Listen, dude, if you think that you're going to come out here and run all willy-nilly in the middle of this field. I got Harrison over here who's going to crank you from the left. I got Anthony Barr. He's going to crank you from the right. I got Kendricks. He's going to smack you right in front. If you shut him down, don't even let him get all excitable. 
you watch this team start to be like, okay, well, who's the next man up? Who is the guy that's going to help us now? Because you haven't really had to see it, right? A Kittle goes down in the games. There's really no one person that shows up. Like, it's just a good team victory. All of a sudden, he's back, and they're electrified again. And they're, like, super excitable to watch, and they're super fun again. And it's like, all right, well, it doesn't take much to see that this is the guy that they like to have out on the field. He's crazy. He likes to run block people. (laughs) But you know what? This team... Can you run block Daniil Hunter like you've been run blocking some of these outside linebackers? Because I'm going to be frank with you. Some of those outside linebackers were trash. This is Daniil Hunter. If you think you're just going to scoop block Daniil Hunter with you and McGlinchey, like, dude, I hate to tell you, but this is a different defense. And I'm not saying that they haven't been tested because they have. They've lost to the Ravens. They've beat the Saints in a tough game. They've lost to Seattle in overtime. But they also beat Seattle. They're, they're going to come equipped, but stopping Kittle was going to be the number one thing for them. Yeah, and now Kittle, though, is unlike anybody else they've faced. So let's look at the tight ends they've gone against. The guy from Oakland had a bunch of trash yards at the end of the game. We won't worry too much about that. But uh, you know, Noah Fant was very good and shut down by J. Ron Curse, but J. Ron Curse doesn't look like he's going to play in this game, right. so that's a different type of challenge. Curse would be the one guy you would say he's got that hybrid fit where he could match up one-on-one with a tight end. Aside from that, though, people have cited the number of how well they've played against tight ends, but I want to know who all these great tight ends were. Travis Kelsey did play uh, against uh, with Kansas City, but Patrick Mahomes was not in that game. So it might be a little bit of smoke and mirrors there. What is it they do schematically with Zimmer to slow down George Kittle? Because I feel like it's sort of with Michael Thomas where... The guy's going to get some plays. They're going to dial up things for him. How do you limit him like they did with Michael Thomas? I'm going to tell you one thing I don't want to see them do. Because as an offensive lineman, number one, I used to love when people would do this. When defensive ends would chip the tight end. Number one, you've just ruined your entire pass rush. Because... You've started, stopped yourself on purpose, went to go hit a tight end, and we've just crawled up on top of you. If I'm a defensive guy, and I'm telling you as an offensive lineman, who cares if you chip that tight end or not? Like, You really think that that little nudge is going to just knock him off balance? You've just made our life so much easier. And when you have a guy like Daniil and Everson on the edges that can go out and just wreak havoc and maybe even push the middle of the pocket, don't worry about chipping a kill. Let your guys go after the quarterback. You have a better chance of disrupting the quarterback than you do of disrupting the tight end. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here. Just a couple of minutes left before Alex is done for the week, and I feel like uh, you're going. You're, you're like over there sweating. Dude, like, I'm. I'm... Can we play tonight? Like, like that guy in airplane was just like pouring sweat right now, ready for this game. Uh, I, you know, I, on the defensive side, I think that having so much to prepare for is going to make this very, very difficult. Um, but in terms of path to victory, the guys who will ultimately determine this, aside from kickers, punt returners, who commit stupid penalties on kickoffs, which I'm tired of, yes. uh, just don't return it. I mean, it's it's very simple. If they kick it off to you and it can go in the end zone, just take, go. The, take 25 yards you go. because you're going to have to put a lot of effort out there to get to the 27 and it's probably going to get flagged. That's an aside. Um, but uh, I think it's these coaches. I, I think that this coach matchup is like, uh, how can I put this? I mean, this would be if you had some old wily pitcher who's kind of a junk baller and throws breaking balls and, and still has it somehow, you know, Greg Maddox when he's 38 years old or something like that, versus the younger guy who's that hot young coach coming into San Francisco. He didn't prove himself right away, but now is finally getting it together, and he's throwing flames. He's got all sorts of creativity out there, and he's got 97-mile-an-hour fastball that you're going against. I love this matchup. It's like Jack Morris against John Smoltz in this game with Mike Zimmer against 
Kyle Shanahan and whoever handles the the small things better, how they handle you know the motions and the misdirections, but also the clock. Yeah. You know, you, anybody who follows me on Twitter sees my mind exploding a lot of times with how these guys handle the clock. And I think not talked about last week was thank you, Sean Payton, for mismanaging the clock and not giving your guy enough time to go down the field and score a touchdown. Instead, you know, the Saints end up getting a field goal. So that those are the small things where. I mean, do we trust Mike Zimmer with the clock, with the timeouts, with the challenges? I would like to say you do because he is an old Wiley veteran. And I think that when you're looking at it, Kyle Shanahan is young and he's innovative. But more importantly, dude, look at Stefanski versus Sala. Like two guys right now that are about to be head coaches, could be head coaches. Like how are they going to play against each other? Who's going to be the first of them to crack? I I think that who's going to be the first guy to really get their team to rally after they get punched? Who's going to be the guy that can get everybody back after something bad happens? Who's going to be the guy that can get everybody together when everybody wants to fall apart and be like, dude, from either side, this is going to be a slugfest, a a heavyweight knockout of the century. It's going to be fun because it's all these great coaches that are pitted against each other, and it's like, man, it's really going to be the team that makes the most errors that loses. Like The one error is going to catch them off guard, and it's going to cost them the game because they're so disciplined on both sides of the ball, and they're led by such great innovative coaches that know how to fix problems. You look at this team here with Zimmer and the problems that he's had in the secondary and how he just went down into the Saints and dealt with that. I mean, that is incredible. And you turn around and you look at Kyle Shanahan, all the players on offense that he's lost all year. And he's got all these guys fill these roles, and they still haven't really missed a beat. That's incredible. So you know that both coaches actually know how to coach a team. You know they know how to fill those spots with like, hey, listen, we got a problem. Let's do this. This is how you fix this. That's incredible. What coach can get their team to bounce back after the first mistake? That's going to be the winner. You picking the Vikings for this one? I'm picking the score to be 17-13. I don't know who's going to win it, and it's going to be incredible. Need like a cop out button or sounder, just like. Burr, 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 burr. What do you think? Pick I mean, it's gonna be really the team that makes the least amount of errors and doesn't turn the ball over. That's what this game's gonna be dictated on. And it's, I wanted to hear yours first. I know. I want to hear yours first. <laughs> I think I'm picking San Francisco in a very close game. Seventeen <laughs> thirteen. I don't know. Hey, dude. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, Thielen pops up with an injury, and it's like, we're going to be cautious and monitor this. What are we monitoring? You already put stitches in. You're good, right? We're good? We're good? Maybe. I know what is my, going my, on. Uh, my dog had something like this happen once, and they had to stitch her up. She fell on ice, and she cracked her skin open. And, uh, you know, she had to take it easy for a few days. So that's my analysis of this Adam Thielen injury. I, I, why? <laughs> the week of? The week of the Slugfest? It's crazy. We're like, I hey, know, it's crazy. who runs into the number one receiver? Who does that? <laughs> Guys, did we not see Thielen running down the middle during warm-ups? It had to have been someone important. Otherwise, you're right. They it, would have been released. <laughs> I don't even. I, I really. <laughs> let, I me, think, let me ask you something real quick because I'll just move on from you not making a prediction. And then when it's sorry. seventeen thirteen, I'm still going to tell you you were wrong. Um, uh, Stefanski interviewing today with Cleveland. Do you like him as a head coach in the NFL? I think he's going to be the head coach of Cleveland. I think that when you look at that team, they're exactly what Stefanski wants to be a run first team that has play action off of it, can get their quarterback to maybe not have to throw so many passes all the time, can just lean on the run game. I, I really do think he's going to be the next head coach there. I think so, too. And 
I've gotten a bunch of people from Cleveland asking me, you know, what do you think or whatever. And his ability to get along with multiple head coaches who are, let's just say, not the easiest people in the world to deal with and connect so closely with so many players and then handle this Gary situation as well as he did. I know that they said that the you know, when they hired Gary, they all had acoustic guitars and were around a fire in the middle of summer and they were just singing Outside Zone. Outside Zone, <laughs> my lord. Outside Zone. But... Uh, I don't think that it was necessarily like that. Uh, so the, his ability to handle this and work with Dennison and Kubiak and other Kubiak, bringing in guys that weren't his and still be the offensive coordinator, be effective, says a lot about how it will be when you're a head coach, where you just don't have control over everybody and everything, and you have to let people do their jobs. I think what you said, too, about his relationship with the players. Like, you look at this team, it's kind of going through some dysfunctional times right now. Like, the place should just blow itself up and rebuild. But you look at like a, what does Kevin Stefanski could do there. With, he's been with so many guys that he'd be like, listen, dude, we all just need to calm down. Here's the path. This is how we're going to do it. it. Dude, it's such a simple offense. And once you put it up on the screen, you're like, it makes total sense. You just got to show up and play. Like, this is what you want. And then not only that, but maybe you take a little George Edwards with you and you help bring that defense back around. I mean, dude, this is, this is the I think he's going to be the next guy there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he brought some other people on the defensive side with him. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder I, about. I think that fits well. I wonder about you know Jerry Gray has been here for a while and has not been a D coordinator in a long Ooh. time, and uh, I think he's really well respected. So we'll see on that. We'll see if he ends up with Cleveland's head coaching job. I think he will. Also, yeah, for sure. I, the the job he's done with Cousins, sort of a enigma of a quarterback who's great on play action, it makes a lot of sense to do it. All right, Alex. Fun week, man. Fun week. I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. I got to fly to Sacramento and drive two hours to somewhere. So that'll be fun. Uh, but uh, you enjoy the game, and we will break it all down next week, man. Dude, for sure. Make sure you go to the Los Gatos Cafe and get the cinnamon roll. You will not be disappointed. You know, you did not mess up on your food suggestion in New Orleans. Told so you, dude. Dragos. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm a- yeah, I think I'll be okay. All right, Alex. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you. All right, and also Pat, uh, Patrick Willis, who came on the show. If you missed any of that, make sure you go back and find it on the Purple Daily podcast feed. You can listen to our show every day if you're just discovering it now that it is postseason time. All right, we will catch you tomorrow live from Santa Clara, California. We'll see you then. Up next, Mackie and Judd Rami. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. 
Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. 